Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Can you say amen, Jesus? Yeah, how wonderful it is to um, be part of this, what can we call it, household of faith, and to be able to worship such a one as great as the Lord. And uh, Corin and I are so thankful and grateful to be part of a spirit-filled church and uh, community, and we are truly enjoying um, getting to know you, um, just being able to be part of a leadership that love Jesus. What a blessing that is. And uh, guys, there are a lot of things that I think we can take for granted um, in our lives. How many of you take things for granted? Okay. We get used to things, things like marriage and family and church and community. And, um, you, you know, the the reality of being part of a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church and congregation is becoming extremely rare on the earth. Do you realize that? Even in our own city of Cape Town, uh, there are leaders that are turning away from the world to just get into culture and other things like that and just really turning away. And uh, I love what Andrew was saying. He was preaching in San Clemente, um, California, they, he's busy with outreach over there, and he said, we want to be a people of the Bible, and we want to see Bible-believing churches and Bible-model churches springing up and being part of that, and that is such a great challenge, I think, in our day, because it gets easier and easier to depart, and so Cor and I are absolutely thankful to all of you that are opening your lives, your homes inviting us over for meals, um, so we really are grateful for that. And I'm also grateful to um, be able to have my mom and dad here. Yes, that's, that's, uh, that's something we can be thankful for. My dad's now 93, still serving a Lord flat out. So um, that, that, that's something really wonderful, and, and uh, then also I just want to wish um, Yaku happy birthday, and um, you know, when I, I don't know him that well yet, but I've just sensed a love for Jesus, and there's such a Christ-likeness upon him, and so we pray that just continues in the new year, and God just keeps pouring into that. Guys, open your Bibles up to uh, the book of Isaiah. Chapter 6, or should I say turn on your phones to whichever works for you. And um, we, we're going to be looking at, well, eight verses here in this passage. And I want to say this because there's such a strong, as, as Rian was exhorting us and through his messages to be evangelical in our thinking, to be missional in, um, in, in our outreaches, to be volunteering, to be going out and the Lord wants to see us as a people on the move. And, you know, the one thing that I've come to realize is the more clearly I see Jesus, the more intensely missional I become. And it is true for you, and it's true for every believer. The more clearly you and I see Jesus, the more intensely missional we become. Now, you might think, okay, where's that kind of played out? And you could think in the book of Acts. Do you guys realize that the whole exciting book of Acts didn't begin with the church meeting together, 
the Holy Spirit, the tongues of fire. It didn't begin with that. If you read in chapter 1, it began with Jesus risen from the dead, showing himself alive for 40 days. And the disciples beholding, looking clearly at Jesus, and that is what inspired the whole other 27 chapters of the book of Acts. The apostle Paul, when he was still Saul of Tarsus, didn't wake up one morning and say, you know what, I want to begin looking into this whole Christianity thing. Didn't begin that way. It began with him on the road to Damascus, suddenly having a vision and seeing Jesus. And it was that seeing that spurred and brought about something in him that changed him forevermore and changed the whole landscape of Europe and Asia and Middle East. It's an exciting thing. And I want to bring this to you because I believe that this is something that can really inspire us as a church, as a congregation, is to open up the Scriptures and to look into the face of Jesus and to behold Him for 20 minutes, 25, however much we got, and then to go out into this week. I love the way Sunday is the first day of the week. We look at Jesus and we go out into the week. And you know, even if, and I want to talk today and even address the most cold-hearted person in this congregation right now. Who are you? Just put your hand up. No, I'm joking. The most cold-hearted person, if you would look at Jesus with me today, something will begin to boil inside of you and you will become missional. Do you believe that? I do. And that's been my whole ministry philosophy and Corinth is to simply show people Jesus. You know, it doesn't take a lot to boil a pot of water. You can take a cold pot of water, you can put it on the stove, you turn up the heat. The moment it is in contact with the plate, it's going to begin to boil. And that is what we see in the Scriptures. People seeing the Lord, seeing Jesus, looking at Him, beholding Him, getting filled, getting charged up and sent out. And that is what the call of Isaiah is all about, looking into the face of Jesus and being changed and being transformed. I hope your Bibles are open at this point. I want to read the first eight verses as we look at Jesus. And won't you stand with me? I know it's not probably our custom or habit, but let's honor up such an important scripture as this. Isaiah chapter 6. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. 
With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah has seen the Lord and he answers, Here am I, send me. And the Lord replies to him, Go. What a marvelous encounter with the Lord. Do you desire such an encounter where the Lord will just suddenly become so real in your mind that you would leave everything behind and say, I'm going to follow his plan. Here am I. Send me. You can be seated. Father, we pray your blessing upon this word. Speak into our hearts. Show us Jesus, we pray. Amen. So this vision, I want to share with you, if you are taking notes, it's the call of Isaiah. Two things in this vision Isaiah saw and two things Isaiah heard. And of course, he comes and he responds in this marvelous way. So it says in that first verse, the year that King Uzziah died. So this is giving us a bit of like a history. Who was Uzziah? Who was a king? Well, Uzziah was one of the kings of Judah. He sat on the throne in Jerusalem, and he was the 10th king after King David. So there was David, and then David gave over to Solomon, and then Solomon to Rehoboam, and then this line of kings. Now, what was pretty unique about Uzziah was the length of his reign. Uzziah ruled for a very long time. You see, there were kings before him that had ruled for three years, five years, seven years, some for 25 years, some for 29 years. But King Uzziah became king when he was just 16 years old. Guys, never underestimate a teenager. Teenagers have made some of the most powerful evangelists on the planet. They can handle authority. And so here is a 16-year-old who comes upon the throne, and he becomes and grows into the most brilliant, wonderful king that is ruled in Jerusalem after David. And he reigns, guys, get a grip of this, 52 years. And in that 52-year reign, he makes his nation great. He does great things. God uses him. God works through him. He is wise. He's industrious. He strengthens a nation. But then suddenly, game over. He dies. And so this must have been something a bit catastrophic for the people. Suddenly their national security was at stake. And suddenly they were worried about the economy. Will thing, how will things turn out? How many of you have just been a little bit concerned about Russia's evasion of Ukraine? Just a little bit. Okay. Quite a few of us. And so here was this event. But isn't it interesting that corresponding with the year Uzziah died, corresponding with a national tragedy, is this most phenomenal event, Isaiah sees the Lord. And so in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Isn't it amazing? Do you guys realize that your lives have absolutely what's going on in the world, the wars, the economy, and all that? Do you realize that that doesn't have to have any bearing upon you? Can you say amen to that? Amen. 
Now, we often let it have a bearing, but it doesn't need to. And so he sees the Lord. And who was the Lord? It's the word Adonai in the Hebrew, Adonai. Who is this person? Well, let me tell you. Isaiah was looking into the future, and he was seeing beyond the first coming, beyond the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, beyond Jesus growing up, choosing 12 disciples and all of that. He was looking beyond all those events and beyond you and me to the second coming of the Lord Jesus. He was seeing Jesus glorified, Jesus reigning upon the earth. This was the vision. And how do we know? You ask me, how, Dimitri, how do you know that was Jesus? Well, you can just jot down next to there in your margin or somewhere, Luke 12, 41. Or sorry, John 12, 41. Because John writes and he says, Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he said this because he saw the future and he spoke of the Messiah's glory. And so here he was seeing the most amazing event and what you and I are all looking forward to, what we are all waiting for, what we are all praying for, what we are serving God for, is the coming of Jesus Christ, a king who will never die, a king that will live forever and ever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And you and I, who know Jesus, are part of that kingdom. What an awesome thing this is. Guys, don't get worried about any president. The Lord is in control. The Lord is the King of Kings. And he said, I, I saw him high and lifted up. Guys, do you know how high high is? That's very high. Because Jesus is not just on the level of kings, because the Bible says he is king of kings, king over kings. There is something awesome about that. Guys, do you know there are no conferences going on in heaven this week or last week between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Look, guys, we have to have a meeting. This uh, Vladimir Putin is really messing things up for us. No ways. He is king of kings. And you know what else about him? The train of his robe fills the temple. Now, in old times, it would be that the longer the robe, the more important you are. So kings would typically have long robes. It would almost be like if you can imagine a meteor shooting through the sky and that trail afterwards. Well, here would come the king walking in in this long robe sort of trailing on the floor behind him. It's his glory. Okay? And so here is the king of kings. And what can you see about the edges of his garments? They're filling up a lot of space. He is high. He is great. High and lifted up. And so Isaiah, in a time of instability and uncertainty and worry, he had a fresh vision of Jesus Christ. And I hope some of you are already getting some vision to go into this week and say, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to pray for Ukraine. I'm going to pray for Europe. But I'm not going to stress about it because I know that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings, and He's, remember we pray the Lord's Prayer as a church, His is the kingdom and the what? And the power and the glory. Now let's talk about that glory. The second thing that Isaiah, after seeing, is he heard. He heard angels worshiping. These seraphim, 
The word seraphim there, it means a burning one. They are six wings angels. With two wings, they cover their faces. With two wings, they cover their feet. And with two wings, they are flying. Now, you meet those in the book of Revelation again. Angelic beings that are there all around the throne of God, just giving glory, giving honor day after day, night after night. I love hearing worship. I love listening to worship. I love hearing you all worshiping. But guys, can you imagine stepping into this? Angelic worship. And what are they singing? What are they praising? They're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Now, when they say the whole earth is full, full of what? Read the verse. Full of what? Can you say that? Full of His glory. Now, you might look at the world today and go, I don't see it. The world is full of sin. The world is full of corruption. The world is full of war. But Isaiah sees and he sees, I see the whole world full and filled with the glory of God. Because you know why he says that? Because he wasn't looking into the present. He was looking into the certain future. He was seeing the glory of God as it will come one day. The glory of God that you and I will get to live in with Jesus. Because it says, his servants shall serve him and they will live and reign with him What are the next two words? Forever and ever. Don't you look forward to that? What an exciting thing that is. Seeing the Lord, seeing the glory. And um, guys, just a small little snippet here. Thought is, um, don't get confused when you read the Bible. Because I think sometimes, and I grew up this way, thinking the New Testament is for today and the Old Testament was for old. The old times, back then. Do you guys realize that in the Old Testament, there are more prophetic words about the return of Jesus Christ than are even about His first coming? So all those books you read, whether it's Isaiah, whether it's Micah, whether it's Habakkuk, uh, whether it's uh, um, um, uh, Ezekiel, speaking about the future glory, Jeremiah, there are so many prophetic words that are spoken. Listen, that, that, those Old Testament books are more current than you are. You thought you were current. So we've got to read the Bible with those kind of lenses. This speaks, yes, it speaks about the past in places. It also speaks about the future. You know where you're going. And so remember, when the, the early church was ministering, all they had was the Old Testament. And they were quoting it day after day and ministering, and people were getting saved through books like Isaiah. So just think of it like this whole Bible is like a puzzle, and if we overlook some parts, the whole isn't going to make sense. So we need all the pieces, and so this is why this is so important. Listen to another scripture, Habakkuk 2 verse 14, which speaks past us, future, and it says the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So just think about that. As the oceans are full of water, so God's glory will be so tangible on earth. It's not talking about now. It's not talking about the past. It's talking of the future. 
Psalm 72 and verse 11 says, All kings will bow before him, bow before the Lord, and all the nations will serve him. Do we see that now? No. Did we ever see it? No. Will we see it, church? Will we see it? Yes, we will. And so, uh, Zechariah 14 and verse 9, he says, The Lord himself will be king over all the earth. And in that day, the Lord will be one and his name one. Why was Jesus called the son of David? Because the throne of David will be his one day and he will live and reign just as the Lord promised David, there's going to be a descendant of yours who's going to sit on the throne in Jerusalem, and he's going to reign forever and ever. And that wasn't Solomon. It's going to be the Lord Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Just two more things, and I'll close. Third thing Isaiah saw was his sin. How many of you have been confronted by your own sin at some point? Okay, Isaiah did. And it says, listen to that, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts, and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And he cried out, Woe to me! I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Now, folk, God's holiness is something that is very, very awesome. And He's glorious too. And to behold it, listen what was going on as Isaiah was seeing this vision, is that the doorposts of the temple were shaking. There was a lot of commotion going on. The seraphim were burning. they covering their faces because the glory of God is so great and so intense. And there's smoke pouring out the glory, the echobot of God. And so what an amazing thing. Isaiah feels like he's dying. When he says, woe is me, I'm ruined. The word there in the Hebrew literally is, I'm coming undone. In other words, like I'm coming apart at the seams. I'm falling to pieces, he is saying. This is so intense. Guys, my heart goes out to anyone over here who is not a firm believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, who hasn't been saved out of his sins, and perhaps you've grown up with that wrong mentality, just thinking, well, you know what, if I just live a good life, if I just try my best, if my good deeds will outweigh my bad deeds, then I should make it into heaven and into God's presence. Guys, Isaiah was a prophet of God, and this was so intense that he felt like he was dying. There's only one way to go into the presence of God, and that's through the blood of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you accept Jesus, you receive the full package of salvation. You receive righteousness. Salvation is never something that I'm working for, but that you receive. Look further. As he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. He's not blaming the culture. He's looking at himself. And he's saying, look, it's my mouth that's the problem. How many of you could say that this morning? It's my mouth that's the problem. The rest of me is doing okay. It's just my mouth. You know, when, when you think of it, guys, do you realize that Jesus said, one day, by your mouth you will be justified, by your mouth you will be condemned. In other words, all the proof that will ever be needed for heaven and for eternity is your words. We need to go into this week thinking about that. Because just think about it, just the way like 
A phone could be useless with a cracked screen. It doesn't matter what you're doing, what you're thinking. If the mouth is faulty, the rest is messed. And so he goes to deal with the most important part. Just think how important your mouth is. Your mouth is an instrument for the Holy Spirit, potentially. Your mouth is what can be used by God. With our mouths, we pray. With our mouths, we preach. With our mouths, we prophesy. With our mouths, we can encourage one another. With our mouths, we can testify of Christ. We can evangelize. We can do so many things. But if that mouth is unclean, my friend, God cannot use you. There are some of you who are sitting on the shelf because of your mouths. And you need to repent and you need to get your mouths clean. And I want you to see Isaiah did something. He didn't say, well, you know what, the whole culture is like that. No, he said, I live among a people, but I am a man of unclean lips and I want to get these lips sorted out. And so he begins to deal with it. And it says, as he cried out, as he confesses, and listen, it, Lord didn't send him into rehab or anything. The Lord just, the angel comes and he just, doosh, that hot cold touches his lips and his sin vaporizes. Guys, that is the power. That's a picture of what the cross of our Savior does for us. When that thief was hanging on the cross and he looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, I'm a sinner, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, Jesus didn't say, okay, well, you know what? Unfortunately, there's no hope for you. You hang on this cross, you're going to die, and you know, you're not having a chance to let your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. Jesus says, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Even on the cross, Jesus vaporized his sin. And so what a powerful thing that is. And so just think of those things you can do with your mouth that do not glorify God. The bad language, using the Lord's name in vain, skinnering. Repeating things that you shouldn't repeat. All those things defile us. And Jesus says, out of the heart, uh, the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we need to deal with that. And Isaiah quickly is dealt with. Verse 7, it says, with that coal, he touched my mouth. And he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And your sin is atoned for how beautiful that is. It was that fast. You know, if you would decide, and listen, I know there's a whole lot of guilty people because I have been a man of unclean lips. But I know that if God's going to work in me and through me, I've got to deal with this. And if you would decide and say this morning, I'm not going to leave this venue till I've dealt with that mouth of mine. I need to stop this. I need to come before Jesus and say, Jesus, touch my mouth. Cauterize that that doesn't glorify you. That I've got full confidence that immediately Jesus would deal with that thing and you would be delivered and set free. It's the power of Jesus. And last thing, and we'll close with this, is Isaiah not only saw the Lord Jesus as king, he not only heard the worship of these angels crying out, holy, 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 he not only saw his own sin, last point, number four, and we'll close with this, is that Isaiah heard the call of God. How many of you here, and I know there are a few of you, I've met some of you, we've talked through some things like this, and you have been conscious of the call of God upon your life. We pray for you. And we are excited about that call of God. That's a very wonderful thing. The call of God, and it's in verse 8, 
in verse 9, and he says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Isaiah heard the call of God. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I. Send my wife. <laughs> he doesn't say that. Here am I. Send my parents. Here am I. Send Rian and Helen. He says, here am I. What the next words? Send. Church, can you say it? Don't lie to me. Are you willing? Could you say those words with all honesty? Here am I, Lord. Send me. Why don't you tell the Lord that right now? Go ahead. One, two, three. Okay. There was five. And the other 95? <laughs> Here I am, Lord. I avail myself to you. Isn't it beautiful? The Lord is such a gentleman. He didn't force Isaiah and he said, Isaiah, from this day on, you are going to serve me till the day you die. And your death is going to be gnarly. They're going to saw you in half. He didn't say that. You just, there's this open door, you know, and, and this is something that I found so amazing about ministry is that God opens the door. You choose to walk in it. And there's a door of service and there's a door of missions. There's a door that we can walk through. You know, when Corin and I were married and shortly afterwards we moved across to California, we were doing Bible college, I was working in a bit of construction and I can remember a moment going back then, when I saw this book, the, one of the foremans of this construction crew had this book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Jim Simbala, have any of you read that? Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And I was working on the computer and I saw the book, got my eye and I started reading it and I'm like, oh my word. Wow, God is moving powerfully here. And that book really began to stand out to me and it had just come into print and I, I started jotting down little quotes of it, and I was praying through it. And on one of those days, my wife walks in. Corin was working somewhere else. She came walking in. She had her headphones on. She was listening to some preach, and she comes walking into me. And as God is speaking to my heart, my wife comes in to confirm it, and she says to me, you do know when we get back to Cape Town, we have to start a church. And I looked at her and I go, and she turned around and she walked out. You see, the call of God is the invitation of God. It's an open door. And it's a beautiful thing when you and I can respond to that call. When we can do it. Because, you know, God is constantly on the move. And guys, there's a real danger. Josh Jen is an amazing movement. 412 is an amazing movement, going to the nations, spreading the word. But do you guys realize that the movement can very easily become a pavement where all movement ceases? People just walk back and forth. And for the movement to keep moving, God has to keep moving and the Holy Spirit must keep moving and you and I have to keep moving to keep the movement a movement. And what can often happen in such a great and a wonderful church and ministry such as ours is that we can take our eyes off the mover and focus on the movement. And suddenly we find ourselves becoming a pavement. 
And the exciting thing is when you and I can hit refresh on ourselves and say, I want to focus on the mover. And the mover is speaking to me today. And the mover is telling me, move ahead, deal with your mouth, deal with your words, deal with your speech. And secondly, he's giving out you and I this beautiful invitation, not forcing any one of us, but saying, who is going to go for me? Who will be used by me in this church and congregation? Who can I send? Who can I choose? Here am I, Lord. Send me. Won't you bow your heads with me? And I really believe as we have been praying into this, that God wants to deal and it was on Rian's heart as he was sharing with us that he believes that today God wants to bring a breakthrough. That God wants to set people free. That God wants to deliver. And I want to ask you, while your head is bowed, I want to ask you a point blank question. Not to look around you, but to answer this question. Have you been a man or a woman of unclean lips? If you have, I want to ask you to bring that before Jesus. I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. But I believe that wherever two or three people are gathered, that Jesus is there. And Jesus is here. And if you will forsake that, and you will say, Lord, I don't always like what comes out of my mouth. And Jesus, I want you to touch me, not with hot coal, but with the blood of my Savior. And I want to be released so that I can use my mouth. I don't want to live on the shelf. But I want, I want to be used. I want you to use my mouth to declare your glory. And that's your desire. You pray that out right now. Deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with it today. And the second question. Do you want to see God's glory fill the whole earth? Do you want to be part of the movement that is moving towards that end? And say, Jesus, here am I. Send me. And for that, folk, I want to ask you to, those of you who at the very point Isaiah was, that here am I, send me points. I want to pray over you this morning. And so won't you stand, those of you who at this point in your life, you would say, here am I, send me me. And Jesus, we praise you for your presence. And we even know, Lord, that this morning the glory of God rests upon the church of God. And the glory of Jesus Christ is here. And Lord, even that we can't see, but we are surrounded by angelic beings who live to glorify you. And Father, that we want to be the destiny. We want that to be the purpose. We want that to be the plan of our very lives. And so, Lord, here we are, saying, here am I, Lord. Send me. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Rian, I think you need to share something. And guys, I said to Rian, please, if I take a wrong turn or something, you must just bring it home. <laughs>